Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. And you are welcome along to a Friday recording edition of the Huddle Breakdown with the B team once again, our good friend and Nicole, who I am impersonating today, both figuratively and literally as host. And for those watching on YouTube, I don't even, I might even be monikered as M. Nicole um, on the screen, but that is a mistake. That is a fraud. I'm far too fat, old and pink apparently today. Um so I'm not having a stroke for people watching. I, I, I look like I might be, but that's not the case. Um, so other than me not having a stroke and pretending to be Enda, uh, Alan, you're with me for another discussion of glorious Celtic performance analysis after a scintillating uh, game on Wednesday. Um, in many respects, actually it was, but uh, maybe not in the way we were hoping. But how, how are you getting on? Yeah, very good. Well, you know, listen, I'm... I'm... A new year, new me, right? It's all about the result. <laughs> Just only care about the result. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I think, yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. We may be descending into that uh, reality here. Um, so yeah, let, let's, let's first talk, I, I, just to lay out the kind of the agenda for the program for people listening and watching, we're going to go over a little bit of the, the Hibs game, but I think generally um, that was symptomatic of some of the things that Alan and I and Enda have been talking about in recent weeks and, and really this season. So we're going to talk about maybe what our assessment and analysis of uh, issues are and then be constructive about, you know, how do we actually maybe address them as a, as a, as a, as a team, not really, you know, the strategic stuff's done, right? We're not going to wallow on the transfer window and talent levels and all that other stuff. Uh, It's about, you know, how do we, look at uh, winning the league this season because it's a, pr- a pretty big deal that <laughs> we do that. Um, so first of all, your impressions on the performance and result from uh, Hibs on Wednesday, Alan. Yeah, I'm sorry. Don't, don't do impressions, but uh, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, listen, anything to not talk about it, right? Um, oh, goodness me. I mean, that's three games in a row where I get, you know, Focus. We do focus on performance for all the the goofing around, as you would say, um, and that's three uh, really quite poor or poor performances. There's been good bits in each of the games, I would say, but the most alarming, if I was to boil it down, summarise it, it's really the the way that the control was was lost in all three games. You know, taking an early lead in two games, you'd think that's then a a setup for Celtic to be highly dominant. Um, against Aberdeen, didn't let the other team have a shot for the whole of the first half, um, and then concede a goal, and it all just goes a bit chaotic and a bit loose and a bit unstructured, and 
control seems to to be lost. So that that's that's the worrying thing for me. I mean, you know, listen, no, no game is is all the same. There are some external mitigating factors. I would say Ross County, the home pitch was probably not the best. Well, same for both sides, I know, but less easy for the dominant team to be moving the ball quickly across the ground when it's such a, a poor surface. The Aberdeen game, I, I, I do, I do feel the 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 fact I didn't quite appreciate till I watched it back how strong the the howling gale was blowing one way and Celtic had that in their favour in the first half and had it, Aberdeen had it in their favour in the second and I think that probably played a a part. So I'm not making excuses. These, these are all things that will have had some kind of impact. Um, and then you know this the, the the game at Easter Road. Celtic don't do well there and haven't done well there uh, for a number of years now and Rodgers had never got a win there so again maybe not surprising there was a bit of nervousness there so I'm, I'm, these are all coming across as excuses they're not meant to be I think I've been consistent in as I said before the most relevant thing to talk about just trying to be a bit fair and, and equitable really is you know how can Celtic lose control of these games a team that is built to control matches how could it lose control? And especially against such modest opposition. I mean, Ross County, what, six debutants who fielded that game? Aberdeen just lost their manager, didn't have a manager. Hibs on the back of two horrendous home defeats, you know, and the general quality of the league as well. You know, this group of players should be doing an awful lot better in that respect. The most alarming thing to me, I think, is uh, the level of the opposition in those three games. And, Probably the potential uh, issue, you know, there was, uh, go back to one of my patented cross sports uh, analogies, there was, you know, if you go back to Mike Tyson's tenure in boxing, uh, when he entered a ring prior to the Buster Douglas fight, most of, if not all of his opponents were effectively defeated particularly once he had kind of become Mike Tyson, you know, the brand Mike Tyson. I mean, how could you not watch that guy get in the ring and, and you know, not wet your shorts? And and when Buster Douglas in what I, you know, it's probably one of the most extraordinary upsets in sporting history, just a great case. If anyone's never watched the documentary on that fight, it's fascinating. Buster Douglas kind of arc. Um, and once Tyson was defeated, it was almost like all of a sudden that um, the ability and willingness of competitors to maybe go toe to toe a little more with them was, um, you know, debilitating to him. And, and, and he had trouble handling that. And I'm not drawing this analogy directly, but I, one of my worries, particularly with the game like that Ross County game, is they didn't really bunker in the sense, you know, we talked about this after the game. They didn't bunker in the St. Mirren style as we talked about last season against Angeball. You know, they actually kind of came out and pressed us high. And, you know, so my concern is that we're starting to see a pattern of inferior opposition not fear us that much in certain ways. And when you get a guy like Montgomery, who, again, I'll give him credit, I thought his game plan Wednesday was reasonably good in that they were picking their spots to press. Um, and then, you know, again, I'll use another cross sports analogy. It's almost like in basketball when you press forward and then guys sprint back to the paint, right? When the, when the press is broken in basketball and you're a pressing team, you're drilled to sprint back to the defensive paint and then pick up your man. And I think that's what 
uh, you know, Ross County and and Hibbs to a degree were doing is that they when they were pressing high, they were you know taking that risk. We haven't been good enough effectively to make teams you know um, get punished for doing that. And they're on on the margin, I think, smartly um, sprinting back to be narrow then to their defensive kind of third. And we're just not quick enough in those transition phases. And, you know, the skill level of our players is really struggling with punishing teams. And, and it, I'll, uh, for the audience's sake, I'll, I'll um, uh, admit to having uh, listened to your uh, uh, appearance on Axon this morning. So I heard you dis- discuss quite a lot about, um, you know, kind of the, the more directness that we're playing in these over-the-top balls. And, um, you know, they're not coming off. I mean, that, that Navrosky pass uh, a couple of games ago was one of the examples, I think, that was, you know, the exception rather than the rule. Uh, so just generally, the risk-reward for these teams and the pathway, you know, they, they, they basically had one, I thought, under Ange, which was that St. Mirror model. But had, that had a lot of risk with it and, you know, really had to rely on their keeper playing extremely well. Now, I mean, I, we're just really struggling um, to create from open play. And that, that is alarming. It is. It is. Um, and when, when you've got three of your four attacking players who simply won't pass the ball forward if there's any, under any challenge, you know, you can, you can take a risk with, as you say, when you press and when you don't press. Um, and, 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 you know, if, if for whatever reason, like, like at the weekend where they had their centre forward man marking McGregor, McGregor's not getting on the ball. O'Reilly's not getting on the ball in deep position, in, in, sorry, forward positions. He was having to drop really deep and he's really been the standout creative player for the side. And then, you know, you've got, as I say, Maeda, who can only play the way he's facing. He's, he's physically incapable of turning and twisting on the ball. And then you've got a debutant on the other side who, frankly, looked a bit terrified, <laughs> really nervous, Kuhn, on the other side. And, you know, listen, the guy's early into his Celtic career. Um, you know, got to give him a chance and all that. But, yeah, they picked their moments. They they were quite passive but sat very compact at the same time and just said, right, come on, then. You've got to pick your way through this. And we, and we couldn't do it, whether it's being a little bit slow in moving the ball from the back, the two centre-backs, uh, or, or just not, and then as I say, when you when we did get the ball wide, which we did a lot, um, unless we, you know, the un- unwillingness or incapableness of then taking that ball and driving at the opposition, really committing those players, and we didn't even, you know, we often had Ralston and and Bernabe kind of tucked in near the centre half, so we weren't even creating those overlap situations. That you just weren't seeing those patterns of. Of, of creating overloads like we used to see under under Ange. So, yeah, there's a massive, massive creativity gap. And at the end of the game, take away the penalties. I, I could have swapped my, uh, Kyogo for Ida. It wouldn't have made any difference at all which one was playing in terms of the profile of their of their numbers. Yeah, it, it's, I think, um, so you, you and I have conversations that we don't record, uh, which probably lean more towards uh, what, most most people would consider uh, you know pub chat <laughs> uh, where we throw out our more of our haymakers and our hot takes. We try to keep this these things uh, the recordings a little more highbrow and analytically focused. 
Um, and one of the things I said to you, I, I forget when it was uh, in a couple of our last recordings, you know, when we get new players, we try to give them ample time. You know, you talk about your 900 minutes. I'm the same way. Like I do my benchmarking thing, but I, you know, I want to see how they fit in the system. Um, and one of the things I said to you after the Derby was, um, I, I, or some, I'm paraphrasing, but something like, you know, the, the Derby dust on Bernardo was <laughs> clouding what, what I was seeing. And, and I, 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 th- and I thought people were getting over their skis about, you know, paying 6 million for this guy. Um, because to me, given his profile, somebody from Benfica, they should be dominating domestically. Like they, they should be a standout dominant performer on a regular basis in, in midfield in Scotland. At least that's my thinking. Um, you know, like Carter Vickers has looked generally when he's fit, like Jota did when he's, when he was fit, uh, that, you know, at that dominant level and, you know, Bernardo has not been doing that. And I, and I think one of the issues that we have right now, um, and, you know, we have a long history of discussing, uh, Rio Hitate's relative strengths and weaknesses, but one of his big strengths is movement and getting into space and even in tight pockets, taking the ball in the half turn and then advancing the ball, helping in build up. Um, and, you know, Bernardo's just not offering that. Um, you know, he, he's got some positive attributes, but, you know, the ability to that, that connective tissue where you get from that, those back center backs where, again, you know, we're not, we're, we're not dealing with um, advanced uh, center backs with, with ball progression here, generally speaking. And if they're man marking McGregor, then, you know, we're kind of stuck. Well, how, how are we getting from Joe Hart up to creating to Kyogo when you've got wing play that's been as poor as it's been and you have Bernardo who's not really that well equipped at dropping in or even moving to space and having tight pockets where he's on the half turn and doing something productive with it. Um, so I, I think that's, we have a lot of, um, you know, misshapen toys as I've called it relative to, the relative strengths and weaknesses of the players and how they're kind of fitting into the style of play and the vulnerabilities that I think, you know, the, the, on a relative basis, the smarter coaches in the league are now on the op- opposition that are starting to capitalize on it. Like we've talked about this, like how, how could you face this Celtic team and not man Mark McGregor? If we're pouring, playing four, three, three, you have to be like almost <laughs> criminally negligent as a, as a manager in, in, um, setting up your team. Um, so yeah, it's just, there's a lot of low hanging fruit for opponents to, to, to pick from. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Bernardo. So I mean, he's, he's had his 900 minutes. Um, Uh Oh, (laughs) uh, well, I did a comparison between him and Hitati. I I sort of approached it that way Um, because I really wanted to illustrate that although we might think about them competing for the third slot in the midfield, that they're so different. They're they're completely different players actually. And that was really the point I was trying to make. As you said, they do have different strengths and weaknesses. A lot of, Bernardo's strengths actually don't really come out to the naked eye as easily. He's, he's a lot of off, is off the ball stuff. I mean, that's why his performances in Europe were actually very very good because he was very strong off the ball, as pressing, counter pressing, uh, spatial awareness, getting into shape, all those all those things that you know coaches love um, that you might not necessarily always pick up when you're watching the game, and certainly even in the data you wouldn't pick up unless you had some of the more uh, advanced stats. Um, he, he's excellent at those, and 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 of course those are some of the things that Hatati's not good at. 
right? Um, and, and also Bernardo, he has been a, a decent goal threat. But what seems to be almost entirely lacking in his, I say almost entirely, he played a nice through ball to Ida. It was the only, yep. the only um, open play chance that we created in the whole game. One chance the whole game from open play. Um, and Bernardo split the defence on to, to 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 create that. He had a couple of nice assists against uh, St Mirren, I think it was, or Dundee. Can't remember which Dundee maybe. Um, anyway, um, but you know he's like he's less than three pack passes per game. Well, I mean that's crazy. I mean even Kyogo, even Joe Hart nearly has two. He's the goalkeeper. Kyogo's like one and a half, and he 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 barely touches the ball. So to have a to your point to be. A central midfield, attacking midfielder in a dominant Celtic side, you should be, um, you know, you should be racking up 10, 12 pack passes a game easy. You know, these are balls that take out opponents from the game. And obviously that's a strength of Hitati's, although again, his people remember the really great ones he does. And when he does pull them off, they're, they're fantastic. They don't remember all the ones that don't work. And so his actual pack passing passing rate isn't particularly good, but the good ones are really good, if you know what I mean. Yeah? So he's yep. Yep. quite quite extreme. There's a lot there's a lot of activity you'd call it on the margins with Hitati. There's a lot of crap and there's a lot of, there's a few brilliant ones. There's not a lot that are just kind of average. <laughs> so but anyway well, and, he's and, and, and he's he's also very good at carrying the ball into space and doing it rapidly. So yes. that that's that, the pace of he, play. he can drop into that right. He can drop into that midfield with not a lot of space, help McGregor who's getting man marked, you know, take that pass from Liam Scales and then rapidly progress the ball 20 30 yards and you know again that I think that's one of the main problems that we're having is that in these transitions now we have opposition that are doing some of this high pressing um, and then in that phase where they're sprinting back to their paint, as I say, to get reorganized, we're just, you know, we're either having to go direct or we're playing it out to the wings to guys that, you know, to your point, you know, Maeda's not going to really do anything with that. And that's not really Abada's game. Like Abada's game is was was fostered by the gravitational pull of the defense towards the left because of Jota. And uh, and Hitate, and then all that space on the right that uh, Abada could run into, and then he'd get on the ball and whip those crosses, or you know, be at the back post with Jota's creativity or Hitate's creativity, or the link up with uh, Kyogo, that type of thing. And now we we just don't have any of that gravitational pull on either side, uh, and nothing through the middle. So yeah. <laughs> this is why we're effectively in a paralysis state, I think, in from open play. And let, let me just, and if I could share one stat here, because uh, I just did the, this this week. So w- one of the things I like to do is take, you know, the available stats and then tinker with them, you know, look for ratios and relationships and, and try to build an ensemble approach. Um, and, and none of it's all that complicated, but again, I don't see a lot of people do some of this stuff. Um, so what I've done is I, I took um, open play XG, and I created uh, an open play shots and looked at XG per shot purely from open play. And I went back and I went through every season that's available in the data and did a differential 
meaning that an idea of, okay, well, this is our XG per shot from open play. And then what are, what's the opposition doing? And then what's the difference between those two? And looking at prior seasons. And what you see is a very specific relationships between good teams and bad teams. <laughs> and there are some outliers, always are. But generally, you know, I, I, I forget what you call it, the, the corner of sadness or something, like when you, <laughs> you do your benchmarking, right? <laughs> so the corner of sadness on this through all of the teams dating back to the 1819 season, uh, when I first have that data, uh, are mostly teams that get relegated. Right. And it's intuitive. Like if in open play, the other team's getting higher quality chances than you're getting. I mean, it's, you know, this kind of Occam's razor stuff. Well, unfortunately, we're in that corner of sadness this season. Um, now, not to the severity, not, not in the kind of like minus 0.02 level. You know, this, and again, we're talking about margins here on a numbers basis. It's like the difference between, you know, if you're, if your average chance is 0.12, which is kind of good, you know, that's pretty good as you'll know, Alan versus 0.09, you know, the, we're not talking huge, you know, on, on a, on an absolute number basis. Um, but that's, we're, we're at like a negative 0.015 differential this season, which gets us down in that corner of sadness historically. So that means that on a, per, on a kind of per chance basis in open play, our opposition in Scotland is getting like 10% better chances. That is insane. Like that. It is. And, and, and to, to, again, to give you some perspective on that, Ange ball was at the peak of Ange ball was more in the like plus 0.04. We were in like over 0.12 in average chance in open play and conceding like less than 0.08. Uh, so the swing in this has just been, you know, alarming. And, and that to me speaks to all these structural issues where we have this, you know, as I've, I've joked tongue in cheek, you know, so I, I, I enjoyed uh, Kevin Graham's comment about, um, uh, what was it? The comatose penguins at the Edinburgh zoo this morning. I heard on Axum, uh, gave me, gave me a total different perspective on why I, I remember having my kids there and enjoying that March of the penguins. I didn't know they were high on Valium when, when, when they were doing it, but, um, but that's to, you know, like that's, we're, we're, we're kind of like zombie comatose walking through. And, and I don't mean that in an effort perspective. I mean, that from open play, the, the trends here are really scary. Um, and, and I think that that's where, you know, we, we can continue to talk a little bit about why that is. Um, but in the, the, the last part of hopefully maybe in the majority of the show today is talking about like, what do we do about this? Right. Like what, what's the, what are the potential salute? You know, we, you know, as if, uh, Brendan Rogers is watching how to break down or anything, but you know, to, for, for us to do our intellectual masturbation, <laughs> like what, what could be done about this? Because it's, I think the status quo is is hurtling to a point here. I, and and my fear is that the, the the connectiveness of all of these issues, I don't think, is solved by any return from any player. Like obviously, Carter Vickers coming back would be a material uh, positive. I don't think he's a game changer in the massive issues that are present here. I think he helps. Same with Atate. Like. To your point, you know, he, 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 um, he's a volatile player, meaning that he, he has those moments of brilliance and he could help quite a bit in moments in specific games. But then that, you know, comes at a cost about 
uh, lost possession at times. You imagine him on the same side as Bernabe and and Maeda, <laughs> and how many defensive transitions we would have. <laughs> um, it, well, it Maeda, potentially Maeda doesn't give the ball away because he keeps passing it. Right. Back. <laughs> but, but, uh, <laughs> right. No, I mean, sorry, I just I, so I agree with all all that. Um, one of the things I wanted to touch on with Hatati, just to introduce another stat, was to compare him to Bernardo. And this is really in the spirit of, you know, how can we start? You know, small changes can make a big difference, right? We've seen that. It's we've seen how sensitive and fragile this has been in moving from Ange to to Rogers, and that although I would still argue, and I don't want to, we don't have to go through it all again in detail, that we have seen a massive drop in quality overall in the squad, and that has to have an impact, right? Um, it's nevertheless alarming that you know how, how, how much the performances are less coherent, and, and therefore, equally, the good news is equally, if you can find the answer, relatively small changes could could actually make a big difference. So back to Hitati then um, is that the other aspect of packing is receiving the ball, and this this speaks to your point about how do we measure people who are finding space well, find space in the midfield. Because again, Bernardo has got many good traits but he doesn't seem to be able to get himself free uh, and, and, and receive the ball or at least he does but then he doesn't turn he give, immediately gives the ball back again so he's not getting credited with a pack because if, if somebody passes through the lines to somebody and they might have taken four players out of the game by doing that if the receiving player immediately passes the ball back I don't count that as a pack pass right because it's not right. materially move the team forward. It has to be that you then turn and you move forward, right? And then I'll, then I'll credit both the, the giver and the receiver, the passer and the receiver. So, so it's not. It's not. I'm not even saying that Bernardo's movement off the ball is poor. It's more what he what he does with it, and that could be a body shape thing. That could be he needs to really um, be coached on you know receiving the ball on the half turn or less 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 full on more more kind of. Um, half turn towards the opposition goal. Same with Maeda. So Hitati, when Hitati receives the ball, he's on average, he's involved in taking out around 40 players in a game. With Bernardo, it's 25. Now, that's a big difference. In in the context of data, that's a huge difference. So so what what Hitati would give, accepting all the defensive weaknesses that he introduces relative to Bernardo, is he would at least... Be, be be getting the team through that first phase and it wouldn't be getting stuck with scales and welsh or whoever um so so i think that would be a that, that so a reason i come back to that is to is really is to build on your point is to say there are some small things here that might that might make a difference i mean you know we haven't we haven't even talked about the defensive play but in the last five league games we're averaging 1.14 xg against i mean that's alarming for celtic and this has been the case all season so you're right. You know, we're. I think I, the last show I pointed out we're bottom of it. We're actually not, not, not just second. No, we haven't slipped from first to second. We've actually slipped to the bottom of the, all the teams in the league on certain certain key metrics, which is absolutely stunning. So there's, there's clearly the good news is there's clearly a lot of scope for improvement here. You would think uh, Carter Vickers would definitely help. He surely would help on the defensive side of things because it looks like we're going through one of these phases where we're getting punished. I mean, virtually every, all, all, I think all of Hibbs' chances really, apart from the Newell cross to Miller, you know, they had was it three or four shots from one corner and then the goal they scored was from a deep free kick. So, they, you know, they, and we've talked about, you know, the set-piece play. You know, we've got, we've got centre-halves that lack aerial dominance. And and Navratsky and Welsh don't help in that regard. Skills is kind of okay, but he's not brilliant. 
So we've re we really lack that. So that, that means you're not necessarily clearing the first ball. So then you've got to deal with the second ball, etc. So anyway, but yeah, I just wanted to give that, that Hitati uh, uh, stat. Uh, so um, yeah. I don't well, know Sorry, well, I was going to another um, a, a, another aspect, an analytical aspect that I'm completely out on uh, an island by myself, probably, although you might join me on the island, I might be able to persuade you it is, um, you know, there's there, there's been a lot of um, understandable because he, he's made some good, you know, uh, uh, I would call them expected saves, not not uh you know, no, no pun intended there, even though it is a pun. Um, in, in Joe Hart playing reasonably well the last, you know, two or three games. Uh, but I, I think, and I did a thread on this, I, I think that the the latent risks of where he's at at this point are so significant. And a lot of it is not, and, and you know, I, I for the most part, I've been fairly reserved in criticizing Rodgers so far this season. Um very different than what my approach was with Neil Lennon in the 10 in a row season. You know, some of that might've been because I was locked down like everybody else and drinking too much and 30 pounds overweight and everything else. But um, another part of it was I thought that the, the analytical aspects that were, were being uh, missed and the mistakes being made as I saw them that season were like obvious, like elementary school type stuff. And I and I think that this season the issues are far more nuanced and very um, much more complicated from a from an analytical perspective. And I'll, I'll give two examples. Um, one is Hart. So his shot stopping has been okay, not great. Okay, as you as you know, as you because you, know, you look at this stuff too. Like he, for the most part, he's reliable on making the saves that you would expect a Celtic number one to make. And I think the shinny shot was an example of that. Um, the overhead kick on Wednesday that was right at him, you know, so we, we have ways to look at this. You can look at, you know, the post shot XG, various vendors, you know, um, I think you agree, but you know, stats bombs factors in the most stuff and it's probably the, the highest quality available out there. And that, and that had both of those at like less than one in three. So again, it, it's, it's a good save. It's one you certainly want your keeper to make, um, but it's also not something that's like, wow, great job. It's like, well, yeah, you should be doing that. Um, the free kick or, the, you know, the free kicks and then the, the goal from Levitt, that's a nuanced uh, shot situation where it was a great finish. He lunges and it ticks off his hand. So you say, of course, like that, what, what could he do? That's not Joe Hart's fault. But if you actually look at where he was at the time of the shot, he was probably too deep by a couple of feet, just from an angular perspective. And that is modeled, right, for, the, for our spreadsheet shaggers. Like there's an optimal place for every shot that a keeper can be positioned just from a geometrical perspective <laughs> um, relative to where the shooter is compared to the goal. Um, and that is a problem for Hart this season. He, he's – and he's, that, again, he, from an – so, Sorry, so, so, so I've not I've not checked since the games, the game in the mid midweek. But I think the last time we spoke, Hart was actually the worst goalkeeper in the league in terms of what yeah. that's one would call positional errors. And this isn't an opinion. Like I, I collect data on defensive errors, but it's it's a purely judgmental thing. 
This isn't. This is like you say, it's a ge geometric position relative to where the shot was taken. There's, there is an optimum to where the goalkeeper should be stood. And no goalkeeper is further from that optimal position on, a, on an average basis, on an average, on, a, on an average per shot than Joe Hart. Right. And, and, and that, again, it's Occam's Razor. It's astonishing, isn't it? Well, but <laughs> Occam's Razor. You know, we and again, this is where you know we our spreadsheet shaggers get uh, criticized at times as not actually having vision and incorporating <laughs> watching games into how we analyze things and think about things. So, you know, the, the eye test would tell you obviously he's slowed down. It makes sense his body composition, his age. You know, uh, all of these things would make just common sense. And we have a metric here to your point that's suggesting that this is an issue. Um, and you get a situation like that goal, he was a, a foot or two. Now, the point I made is, in talking with someone after the game is I'm not sure I want him in the optimal position there because his reaction time is probably also an issue. Uh, so, some, so there was some analysis done when we signed him about the issues that he had historically going to his lower left side, which happened to be this placement for this shot but the the whole issue of this is if you have a younger more athletic keeper that's more mobile right they might make that save and yeah. actually the post shot xg on that shot was like one in three uh it was a little higher than those other the shinny and 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 a good bit higher than than the overhead kick um but it's a save that a celtic keeper should make yeah, and not because it's, it's, not from the point of the where he was at in his age, but based off of where the shot was from, the time, and was there maybe a very slight deflection, maybe right? But and this is just a one-off. I'm going off. I'm, I'm using this as a very uh, specific example to explain some of the um, the analysis behind why you know just his sh the fact that he made a couple of saves which is important i mean i think he's he's faced seven shots in these three games it's not you know we're not talking about any uh kind of sample and and so the, there's that aspect of it which is i think there's a material part of why teams are getting higher quality shots is because of joe hart right so what i saw some of that open play is because you know that ball from that miller you know there there, there was an overhead ball that it, you know He's not sweeping like he could. You know, there was an overhead ball, yeah. and you're like, where the hell is Joe Hart? Why didn't he come for that ball? And again, I'm not sure I want him trying to come for that ball because it could be a Craig Gordon kung fu kick coming out and, mm -hmm. and another red card like he had earlier in the season. But a a sufficiently athletic keeper at Celtic should have gotten that ball, right? So there's that part. Well, let me stop if you want to respond to that because I have a, a, a second part to this with, with Hart using a stat. Yeah, don't go for it. Okay. So the other part, if you look at strictly shots, and then you can do this, you can cut it up through set pieces like corners, or you can look just from open play, or you can look at it all together. Um, if you look at average shot quality inside 12 yards specifically, so this is the area that a keeper should be patrolling and limiting chances. Um, the quality of chances that opponents are getting on, uh, against our team right now with heart at goal is about 25% higher than any of the other keepers that we've had. That's Forster, who was no mobile, you know, sweeper keeper, uh, Barkas and Bain in the horrific 2021 season when we were conceding chances left and right. 
Um, so it's on average, the chances are like 0.20. And a lot of those are headers. A lot of those are um, aerial corner balls. And the problem with that is that the finishing this season by opposition, we saw at the Ross County game. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Guy had a wide open header and happened to put it off of the crossbar. Right. It was like, a, I think the, the the XG on that shot for a header, which is really high, as you know, Alan, really high, I think it was like 0.38 for a header, which in, in aerial headed shot, that's a sitter. <laughs> and it happened to hit the crossbar. So we're having a disproportionate amount of those kind of chances that our opposition are not finishing. So that to me is a latent risk, right? So yes, the last three games, Hart's made saves that we would want him to make. But in the next three games, when, if we're continuing to struggle from creating an open play, like it's as we talk about, it's the stacking of risks where every point counts and we're, you know, at hearts in a couple of weeks um, and, you know, they've got enough talent and certainly a striker that's going to put more pressure on us than other opponents potentially, you know, can we afford a, a ball or two balls on set pieces that are like seven yards away from the goal line that any athletic keeper should get to. And you want Lawrence Shanklin on the end of that for a header? I don't. Right. And that those are the kind of opportunities that we're conceding that so far it's broken in our direction, but it may not. And I, that's where, you know, I've, I've even, I, I you know, I, this is not a black and white argument, um, whether or not Scott Bain is a better alternative. There's risk with him too, by far. Um, but on a, my judgment is on a net basis, the risk with him, I think, skew more positively than what I, I think what we're um, seeing with Hart. And I don't think that move's going to get made. Um, I, I think that would be, you know, I'd be shocked if they if they make that kind of move. Uh, but that's when I say there's very nuanced uh, analytical cases to be made here that much more difficult this season. Um, and that, that's why I think it's tough. It's a tougher equation, so to speak, for for Rogers to get to a solution here. 
um, because of the talent issues and because of the nuance of some of the stuff. Yeah, listen, I agree with all that, and I think the 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 thing that shocked me was I, th- I think I think I might have misremembered this. This was a couple of weeks ago. I think we're the, the our opponents get to take their shots on average closer to our goal than any other team in the league, which again is shocking, really. And, and we've gone from being the team who kept the opponent to the most the, 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 the furthest from goal for taking the shots. Yeah, pot average. shots. <laughs> <laughs> to, to you know, to to know the closest, and as I say, I, I did. I just did what I, I, I did a physical test of putting the two shot maps from the two seasons in front of me, and and and, and, and if you do it quick enough, you can see the the shots marching towards the goal because they're just getting closer and closer and closer. And some of that, some of that, is to do with um, the fact that obviously Hearts not dominating that, that that area that you say that that you should be dominating. That's some of the reason. I think there's a general trend towards more crossing and more aerial kind of balls into the box in any case, really more directness in the league, I would say. So, you know, so I saw your, I saw your supposition on, on, on this and, you know, should we put Bain in? So I agree with everything that you said. The data's clear that there's, as you say, um, significant issues here. They are subtle. They are nuanced. It's not just on heart. But I think, again, coming looking at this through the prism of layering risk upon risk, to take Joe Hart out of the team, in a team where, apart from McGregor and Hart, you've got no one else of significant experience in terms of managing their way. We're already, we're already failing to manage games against the likes of Ross County, effectively. In terms of, I'm talking about game management here, and a lot of that, is, and this is where I'm straying in beyond data to to the more sort mm-hmm. of psychological aspects of the game. But it, but you know, game management is a is a thing. Knowing when to, you know, when not to drop too deep. Knowing when to play a little bit quicker. Knowing when to slow it down a bit. These are all things which experienced players learn. They're not necessarily picked up in any data really, and. Joe Hart would be one of the players you'd look to that I think people would, the the players would feel psychologically more secure with Joe Hart in the team than they would, oh, they've changed the goalkeeper, right? I'm a bit nervous about this. And And I'm coming at this from a perspective of the only way I can see us winning this league is if we minimize the level of change within, within, Certain parameters. I'll come on to, but I think we need, I think we've talked we've talked about in terms of if you asked us at the beginning of the season, after a month after the transfer window closed, after Europe, and then and after this transfer window closed, if you'd asked us all, name me your top five risks or top five things that we need to fix, they'd be constantly changing, right? And but the goalkeeper would have been there and probably in the top five. Are they still? Is he still in the top five of things we need to fix now? Do you know? I think I think there's, I think we've got other. Even Greg, it's the same with Greg Taylor. Is the left back really right. the most important issue anymore? And actually, some of the non non data aspects of having your most senior pros in, in I guess I'm talking about Taylor and Hart here. Although I would completely argue that we you know we should be looking to improve the. The, the people in that position, we can't do that now. So we we have got what we have got, and I would almost argue that we need to minimise other other risks, and especially risks around throwing in young players 
to try and make things better and expecting them to pull us out. Because I've not seen anybody that we've brought in that we, that, that, and rightly so, that we shouldn't be a little bit patient with and, and let breathe and grow into their Celtic career. I don't see anybody that we've brought in that is of sufficient, you know, you mentioned Bernardo, what you'd expect from a Benfica midfielder that's going to say, right, take this league by the scruff of the neck and really start to dominate games on a consistent basis between here and the end of the season. We're going to have to get the best out of McGregor, the best out of O'Reilly, the best out of Hart, the best out of Taylor, hopefully get Carter Vickers back and the best out of Kyogo if we've got a chance of winning this league. That's, that's, that's my honest view. And therefore, we have to make some changes to get the best out of those players, is my view, but not make changes just because of, of, of some of the subtle data differences we've talked about, which I completely understand and agree with and totally I'm shocked by myself. But I'm, I just think that's layering on more risk at this stage with 14 games to go. And I, I, I think that's a completely reasonable position. And um, part, part of why I... Um, focused on that is I, I think that the initially, you know, cause I've gotten a little more active on Twitter recently because I, I'm, uh, you know, I went quiet in this relatively quiet on Twitter in December of, of 22, I guess it was, uh, no 21. Um, when I was pretty convinced that Ange had everything under control and it was there wasn't all that much to be commenting on other than we're going to continue to obliterate domestic opposition. Um, and, and most of the, you know, what I would consider uh, constructive criticism, obviously I might just be a lunatic, uh, was more so on the strategic side. Um, so I, I've gotten more active in the last few weeks because it, it you know, my analysis is telling me there's uh, a greater, a need for a greater sense of urgency. And when I, you know, I admit that the switch from Hart to Bain is a radical one, unlikely to happen. Um, but I laid it out because I think things are dire is not the straight word. This is not 2020, 2021 in the sense that I don't see uh, material risks of quote unquote collapse like we did that season. Um you know, which again, we lost the league by 25 points. I think it was, I mean, so that was an outrageous collapse in, uh, and it was multifaceted and there's a lot of aspects to it, but I, I saw growing signs of that kind of risk. <clears throat> I don't see that risk right now, but I, I do see kind of the, you know, again, this gets into the dorky space of thinking about things in probability terms. I think that the, the shape of the distribution right now is very unfavorable to us. I mean, my base case is very different than what the bookies have it at and what, you know, um, Rangers report who does a really cool and has been very good, um, modeling on, on kind of ex ante as a call, you know, projecting, uh, the probabilities into the future. So the way I conceptualize this league is quite different. Um, I think that the risks have moved more significantly, uh, away from us, unfortunately, um, and, and that's why I think it's time to think about more radical adjustments. And I don't mean radical in the sense of like, you know, crazy, but get radical in the sense of like what we've been doing has been so predictable, right? So that, you know, I, I heard, like I said, I heard your appearance on Axon this morning and I, I, I get why the idea of changing shape right now would be considered radical given this time of the year. But I think we need a material shift in how players are being utilized. Like I, I, I think 
persisting with Maeda as a wide wing in this system with the personnel that we have is a prescription for failure. Like I, I think we're setting ourselves up for failure doing that kind of thing um, with Bernardo on that side with, you know, right. So again, these pieces and how you move them together, there's layering here and it's complicated. Um, but I, I think it, we've reached a point where material shifts need to, to take place. Um, and, and that, that differential in, in XG per shot in open play, I think speaks to how dire this is, meaning that that is a huge red flag or should be, uh, as far as what's happening in, in, and I'll, I'll use Maeda as an example and why another example, as far as why there's nuance, um, and, you know, it's why I always talk about the importance of analytics over data. So if you look at Maeda's data profile under Ange, a relatively unsophisticated approach, I would argue, and again, I might not surprise and come, come across as a pompous a-hole saying it like this, uh, but I have been doing this for 25 years, so I have some experience. Um, a relatively unsophisticated way of looking at his data pro- profile is like, hey, he's a creative player. Like he averaged, I think, 0.16 in expected assists uh, which for a winger at Celtic even is pretty decent. And and the average chance of that quality was pretty good. Like it was, you know, around 0.16, which again, if you benchmark across players, like you could come across looking at, and I think, you know, Abada's similar in that sense. I mean, if you look at just kind of the raw metrics, um, you can come up with a a, a, a story. I, I think Kuhn, Kuhn's historic profile, I did a thread on this too, it, it is also easy to misanalyze, misattribute as far as things like creativity. And, you know, looking at a guy like Maeda, who is a complete disaster on the ball, like you benchmark his rate of winning dribble attempts, for example, he's in like the fourth percentile globally. I mean, he is, and again, I test, hello, that's not a surprise to anyone that watches all the games like we do. But if you actually benchmark, so how is a guy, and again, Occam's razor, like how is a guy that can't beat a man to an epic level on the ball, he's going to be magically creative to a level where he's actually, no, it it was a system issue. It was, it was what was going on. The way that the style of play was going on was allowing these manifestations of chances that he was part of the system. And now that the system's gone, he, I think his ex, his expected assist now is like 0.05 which makes sense with a guy who can't do anything on the ball, right? And if you look at his history in Japan, generally, again, he didn't do a lot creatively, which, again, isn't that surprising. And I, I think that that's where, you know, the, the you know, when you hear people, um, you know, I think Paul's written on CQN and stuff about, you know, some of the data-driven players that have been proposed, and it's been reported, I think, that Araujo was kind of rejected by, um uh, by Rogers, the, the, the left back from, uh, Esterol, I think and I looked at his data profile and was like, and I, again, sound like an a-hole saying this, but to me, his profile looked like one from people that don't know what they're doing in data analysis, like analytics, actual analytics, like the, someone who doesn't know what they're doing, looking for pace and power. That's the profile that I, like it had that written all over it. Um, and I, unfortunately, I think Kuhn is not as bad as that, but in that direction um, based off of his track record. He's, he's not that creative of a player. He's very fast and athletic, but 
you know, he's probably not going to be a, he's not going to be a Jota where he can actually like take a guy on and, and, uh, and, and create. So I, I think we have to do something more radical uh, because we do not have the wings to play the system. We don't. So how that gets past you, like, I'm not a, I'm not a coach. I have no background in coaching. Um, other than at the youth level, screwing up in rec leagues. <laughs> um, but you know, so I don't know the, the, the practical realities of going three, four, two, one now versus four, three, three or four, two, three, one, but where, whatever the urgency level is to make some kind of significant shift and how to get to that point, I think I'm flashing like red, like this, this has to happen. It should be happening. Um, but I also grant that the case as to why it's urgent is nuanced, meaning that it's easy to look at how a guy like Maeda performed under Ange, look at his, his data profile and say, well, he's just off form. Or, you know, when Hatate comes back, that side will be more creative. And, you know, and, and, and that's the that's the trap I see potentially that we fall into is the complacency against more radical change because, you know, there, there's an easy pathway to get there and, and, and um, to remain kind of comfortable with what we know, what we know, you know, what, what Rogers knows, what he's comfortable with, what his biases are, which we all have. Um, so anyway, that's, that's why I, I led with the heart Bane thing. I don't expect that change to happen. Um, I would actually probably do it. Cause I think it's, you know, a, 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 a risk I would probably take. Uh, but that's, that's a judgment call. Like I, in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, playing it, playing Maeda on a wing in a four, three, three is, I would argue way worse a decision than, you know, sticking with heart, for example. Um, so I agree with you. There's a lot of low hanging fruit where I think we can make these changes. Um, you know, you, you, just in a shape or a role perspective. Um, so let, let, what are your thoughts on what some of those might be? Yeah. I mean, I look at it from, you know, we, we've got the most lethal striker in the league in Kyogo. He's a player who, over a number of seasons, has continually um, overperformed his XG. And why? Because if you look at the average shot quality, as you've said, it's something like 0.2. Last season it was 0.25. Every shot average X, XG of, X, of 0.25 across all competitions. That's a phenomenally high number. This season it's 1.8. So, so 28% reduction in shot quality on average, every single shot. That's, that's a phenomenal, that's off a cliff, right? In, in, in this world, that magnitude of quality drop is, is huge. Um, and so far, yeah, I, I look at it as to how do you solve that? And, it, you know, whether Palmer has a good day or whether Maida has a good day, that hasn't changed this season. Often they don't, neither of them has a good day. I, I, and, and so you know, I've been banging on about this all season. So I'm not going to disagree with you in terms of the quality of the wing play, exacerbated by the fact that you know, based on Abada's performance on on midweek, I don't think he should be anywhere near the team. I just don't think the kid looks like he's he's in any sort of place to be playing professional football at this time. And he's a young guy. We should you know probably look after him in that respect, which I think the club have been been doing in, in as I understand it. So you know the options are not great. We can chuck young players like Yang or or um, uh, Kund in there, 
I mean, and Vata and so forth. But really, you're going to gamble the league on on players that are trying to find their feet. You know, that hopefully will have some kind of impact off the bench, maybe. But to actually, you know, dominate a game and get, put Celtic in a strong position, such that those young players can come on and then you know start to build build their numbers, build their careers. I don't think so. So to me, you've got to find a way of getting the best out of those players. As I say, I think Maida's been a very good striker, a very good forward. Uh, Kyogo clearly is some way of, I think you can play them both as a pair. I think we've got midfielders that suit more of a, a box kind of diamond in midfield. Um, that would allow you to potentially play O'Reilly, Hatati, and Bernardo in the same midfield. One of them is a 10. I would like to see Palmer as the 10. I think his range of passing and his shooting ability and his pressing ability uh, is wasted out wide. And also, by moving him in one, you less reliance on his lack of pace uh, as well. So these are all things I would like to see done. I think it would put pressure on the fullback areas, but I'd rather put pressure on the fullback areas than not be getting the best out of the midfield, not be getting the best out of creating chances for, for Kyogo. So I've I've been you know advocating this all season. I can't see it happening, but I'll tell you what: the weekend cup match, that would be the time to do it. Because as I said on Axon today, it's all about the league now. It's all about the league. If we win the Scottish Cup and don't win the league, it's an absolute disaster of a season. Absolute disaster. If we win the league, uh, lose the cup, do you know what? We've got a platform to build to dominate. You know, we already dominated Scottish football, but we should be in a strong enough position financially to be able to 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 really build a team on a strategic basis take more risks in terms of recruitment take more risks in terms of giving young players space to grow such will be the sort of hegemony that we would then have over the rest of the league winning the, winning this league is crucial and for negative reasons let's be honest about it why why would we want to let the delinquent neighbours, you know, a leg up, be able to pay off all their, all their debts, and to you know probably build a, a half decent squad. Why would we want to do that? So it's vital that we win this league. Um, if we're going to make changes to the lineup, do it on Saturday, Sunday. Do it against St Mirren. Try something different. See if it beds in. Um, home to Kilmarnock, even you've got two games probably where you should be able to. Try something a little bit different to get the best out of these players. Because it's get we're only going to win this league. We're not going to win this league because we've signed Kuhn. We're not going to win this league because Yang's back from the Asian Cup. We're not going to win this league because always coming off the bench. We're going to win this league if we can get the best out of McGregor, O'Reilly, Kyogo. Yeah, and that's I, I think um I, I agree, and we've this is nothing new. You know, I've talked about the idea of going more narrow. Um for a while now because of the wing play. I, I think the other issue for me, particularly until Atate comes back, is I, I and end the fact that we're having this issue and conceding chances um, more and more. And particularly as we go on in games, I mean, it was like a PTSD as far as how open our midfield was at times on, on Wednesday in transition. Um, I, I'd like to see McGregor have somebody next to him um, within the context of playing more narrow, preferably, but you know whether that's you drop O'Reilly back into that space. I, I don't think it's Bernardo. Um, maybe it's Holm. I, you know, we haven't seen enough of him to have a high confidence in that. But I think just from profiling him, I think he he has the at least the ability 
um, some of the characteristics to, to fill that role. Uh, we don't know what's going on with the WADA. You know, again, been in the dark hole of injuries that we've been, uh, the black hole of injuries that we've been having, um, uh, predictably, I would argue this season, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's, it's because I, if we, you know, the four, three, three with the positional issues that Bernabe has, uh, and again, I thought he was okay the other night. Um, but I don't think he's going to magically become a disciplined positional I mean, I, player. I thought he did, I thought he did really uh, well. He had, a, he had a good game. Yeah. But listen, I mean, he, he almost, almost literally does not know where to be. Right. When, he's, yeah, when, he's, when he's, like he's like off the ball, chicken. he literally doesn't yeah. know where he should be going. It's it's, yeah. it's incredible. It's like zero football intelligence off the ball. <laughs> he's a whirling dervish, <laughs> the Tasmanian devil. Uh, um, he, he, run, he runs yeah, around so, a lot, yeah. So. That, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he tries that. Yep. Well, so you know, you have that issue, and again, I, that's not, you know, especially with I would assume uh, Johnson's out for at least a little bit here. I mean, I if you go to the hospital with a head injury, normally that means at least a week or two. Uh, who knows though? Um, so you're you're talking about again, is it going to be frame? I don't know what his injury situation is, but so it's very likely to be Bernabe, and the idea that you're going to have just McGregor who can be man marked out of the game effectively with a headless chicken at left back. Uh, and you know, God bless Tony Ralston. Cause again, I I've been a huge fan of his and I, I don't actually think we'd have a huge drop from Johnston to him domestically. Uh, I think they're kind of uh, plus or minus probably in, in the same neighborhood with different characteristics and strengths and weaknesses. But I, I I'm actually okay with Ralston on the right, but again, we got the center back situation on the ball. So I, I really do think it would be helpful if we had that, that second midfielder drop in deep. So whether that's four, two, three, one, again, to your point, probably not as radical for, um, maybe we'll go the, uh, the John Barnes four, two, 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 that would be another alternative. Go the, the Red Bull version. Um, that would be another option. Cause that, yeah, with the center back situation, go to a three at the back without Carter Vickers, I don't, I'm not sure that makes any sense either. Yeah. Uh, especially with Johnson out now too, because he could play, you know, right center back theoretically. But um, so yeah, that again, back to this issue of it's, it's very nuanced and trying to come up with, with solutions. But I agree with you like this, this is the game. If you, if you, if you realize the gravity of needing to make some changes, it's the perfect time to do it, to try it at least. Um and I think any kind of material shift would kind of seem radical right now because it, it has been very, you know, four, three, three, maybe a little bit of four, four, two, um, you know, now that we've got Ida and, and O's come on a little bit, but um, I'd like to see a little bit more <laughs> radical than that even. Yeah. I've been listening as well, uh, again, and trying to be positive in terms of, because if you just, if you just read the press in Scotland, you'd think, one team is flying at the top of the league and the other team is struggling. The reality is both teams at the top of the league are struggling to to post dominant XG differentials in their games. Mm-hmm. The difference is, on one side of the city, when they manage to pull off a spotty one-goal home win, their own fans and players and club celebrate it and take it as a positive. Uh, we we yeah. blew the team off the park. And now again, I know we're straying away from data here, but that's a massively psychologically different outlook. And I think we need to be 
a little bit more like them in that respect, in terms of cherish every goal. Because I tell you what, it's going to be an absolute slog now. 14 games, it's going to be an absolute slog. So cherish every goal, cherish every point. And, and you know, you, re- you referenced CQN there. You know, it looks to me as if there's open warfare in Celtic Park at the moment, right? And it's not good. Now, I suspect, you know, any football club, which is generally run by a handful of alpha males, you're going to get this to some extent, right? Let's not be naive about yep. that. Yeah. But, it, you know, knowing the history, it looks like, you know, and, and looking at the tone of what's being, you know, leaked in some of these blogs it is vicious stuff. Um, the, the last thing that the players and the manager needs is for the fans to make that, you know, more difficult. The fans, the players, the manager need to get united uh, behind the team for the run-in. As I say, if we win 1-0 at home to Kilmarnock in a scruffy game, then sing your hearts out because that, that will be huge. I, I, I'm past the point of worrying about the performance because, to your point, we're not going to change the players now. We're not going to get this quality uplift in the squad. Ain't going to happen. We need to look at find ways to get squeeze the best out of what we've got. Um, and, you know, booing them isn't going to help. And, you know, and, and adding to the flames of what irresponsible senior people in the club might be fanning isn't going to help. So, yeah, that, you know, I know that's not data driven. I know that's not analytical, but no, I, this is this is in the nature of Scottish well, it football. Is. This, I, this is I, this I is going to come. This is going to come down to to get togetherness and, and belief and confidence and all those things have to be there because we, we're the only way we're going to squeeze marginally better performances out of these players because we haven't got them. You know, we've got a huge downturn in quality of our last season. Is to is to have that at least at least okay at least think that we're going on to the pitch and, and if we're going to play crap, we're going to win 1-0, right? That's, you've got to have that belief. You've got to have that confidence that that's what you're going to do. And I think that's where we are. Well, I think, I think that's where we are. And I, I actually agree with you. I, 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 you know, I, I always joke um, kind of tongue-in-cheek about the, the, the intangibles. Um, but as I always say, on the margins, they do matter. And when you look at you know, again, to bring it back to data a little bit is that when you look at things like XG differential, it's basically a coin flip. Like with these two teams, their wage bills are comparable. You know, you know, it, it, we're, we're pretty close. Now the composition, that is part of why I'm probably more alarmed than a lot of people is because I think the composition um, is, is in their favor because they're doing a better job at um, suppressing chances than we are. Yeah, uh, so you, you can have the same differential, but that's just from a variance perspective that creates a whole different risk, um, which over 14 games, that's my viewpoint is the risk part of it. So I, I agree that like on the margin, it's, it's every little intangible, um, could be beneficial and, and a difference maker. And, and to the point where it might just come down to luck and that's, you know, <laughs> a deflected shot here and there, like we've enjoyed a penalty here or there. Like that's, we're in that and, and fine also, margin. Also, I'm trying to, I'm trying to balance some misperception that is allowed. To, so for example, let's look at the goal, go back to the goalkeepers again, right? Again, if you read the newspapers, you're to believe that Jack Butland's going to be going to the Euros with England next season. 
and, and, and Celtic fans like us, probably partly due to us in some small way, you know, are critical of Joe Hart. And yet, if you actually look at the data, there's not much between them. We really are talking small margins here. Butland is Butland is very much like Hart was in his first season at Celtic. He's okay. He's competent, right? And he's yep. probably not. He's not started to decline like Hart clearly is. But Hart's not declining anywhere near. For example, Alan McGregor did in his final season. Um, nothing yep. nowhere near. We're not Agreed. looking at that level of catastrophe. We're looking at small margins, and we've, as we've been saying, we've already seen that Europe that mattered. It mattered in Europe. There was no less effective goalkeeper in the Champions League group stages than Joe Hart. So it materially mattered, and it cost Celtic in that competition. It's less likely to to be so in in the Scottish Premier League. And as I say, if you look at that as a comparator between the two teams. Whereas you might think it's like this, it isn't. It's more like that in terms of the difference between the two two goalkeepers. I completely agree with you on the basis that where they've been, they're, they're probably their most admirable strength this season has been their chance suppression. Um, uh, you know, it's incredibly. It's a bit like under Ange Celtic. You know, it's incredibly low. But they're, but what they're from open doing, play in particular, yes. yes. What, what yep. they're not. What, and, and again, listen. You're a dominant team when you're playing two sitting midfielders, right? Sometimes three, actually. So, so you know, you, you, you're not, you know, and you're and you're full. So, all your fullbacks have got marred. I've got uh, their fullbacks have got uh, license to get forward. They've always got two, three to four, four, to four or five rest defence in the centre, which is what Ange did, to be fair, a lot of the time as well. He yep. ended up with the fullbacks inverting McGregor, the two centre backs. He eventually had a wedge of five in the middle. Uh, make 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 sense, but where they're where they are struggling is in chance creation, um, you know. And and and, to, and it, it, although they have been winning recently, these are all games that we've talked about where the differential is like so it's not big enough that that could have been one one that you know that could have been nil nil kind of thing. And and over a long over a longer period of games that will happen if if it continues. So so you know. I'm trying. I'm trying to find the positives here because I think, as I say, I've, I've I've given up. I've given up. I really have in terms of expecting hugely coherent, like the point where you gave up on Twitter because it's essentially boring. There's nothing new to say. We're so good. We're so not there, and we're not going to be there <laughs> from the end of the season. But we have to find right. a way to win win 14 games of football, and that's what we should be focusing our minds at, even if it means going a little bit horses for courses in games. You know, we've got a big enough squad. We can do that. Agreed. Agreed. Well, let's let's leave it on that relatively positive note, which is a, <laughs> good karma, good energy, everyone pulling in the same direction. Um, so uh, appreciate everyone watching and listening. If you can subscribe, hit the like button, uh, leave a review on a- a- Apple or on Spotify or wherever you listen to the podcast. Subscribe on uh, YouTube and hit the like button. We appreciate that. Uh, at some point, we're going to get this this mercurial guy, Enda Cole, who I've been impersonating today, back into uh, the routine. But he's a busy guy. He's an in-demand professional doing these, yeah, she these works comedy for James, shows now. Yeah. <laughs> us slackers, we, get the, we have all this free time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we'll get Enda back in the loop here coming soon. If not, um, regardless, we'll, we'll, we'll be back at least once next week. We'll see if we can get back into the routine now that I know how to use this new platform that we've we've uh, invested in so that alan's not in the matrix anymore um so uh yep thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you next week 